for Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, last month, in the midst of the pandemic, the American Medical Association declared racism a threat to public health. COVID just totally ripped the Band-Aid off of our healthcare system and said, we really do have health disparities and we need to make a, a change. Dr. Willarda Edwards, a member of the Board of Trustees of the AMA, joins me to discuss how the health inequities laid bare by COVID-19 helped lead to their decision. That's next. free. And at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Members of minority groups are more likely to get severely sick and die from COVID-19. That's one reason why the nation's largest doctors group decided to officially declare racism as a threat to public health last month. Dr. Willarda Edwards is on the board of trustees of that group, the American Medical Association. She's with me now to discuss how the AMA came to their decision. Dr. Edwards, thanks for talking with me. My pleasure. Thank you. So I want to talk today about this decision from the AMA. Uh, This was in mid-November. The group recognized racism as a public health threat, and this is from y'all's news release I'm reading here, and committed to actively work on dismantling racist policies and practices across all of healthcare. Now, I I want to start just by asking how the AMA came to that decision to make this official declaration. My understanding is this is something that y'all started talking about earlier in the summer. Absolutely. Back in June of this year, our AMA Board of Trustees acknowledged the health consequences of violent police interactions and denounced racism as an urgent threat to public health. And we pledged at that time the action to confront systemic racism, racial injustice, and police brutality. And then what happened is that our House of Delegates put forward this AMA policy of racism as a public health threat. And this further acknowledges the need for us to encourage medical education and curriculums for med students and practicing physicians, that they need to promote greater understanding of how this public health threat can influence medical decisions by way of unconscious bias. And we wanted to put more teeth in what we do in terms of not just giving statistics. We feel that there's harm that's caused by racism and unconscious bias within the healthcare system. 
Examples are with more maternal and infant deaths in minority communities, less pain medicines being given to our black and brown children relative to others. In the COVID virus, we're seeing that the African-American community where they're 13% of the US population, but 25% of COVID deaths. And the Latinx community, 18% of the population, but yet 33% of new COVID cases. How much did the pandemic and the racial inequities that this pandemic has really laid bare factor into this decision y'all made to make this declaration? It definitely moved us forward. We have been working on health equity for years, but we also realized that this was like a confluence of activities that came together with the COVID virus. We asked months ago, back in March and April, that we have more statistics with respect to the health disparity of the COVID virus in particular. And once we started seeing that statistics, we saw further the health inequities that were prevalent in other health diseases such as diabetes, hypertension, and diabetes. And then COVID just totally ripped the Band-Aid off of our healthcare system and said, this, we really do have health disparities and we need to make a, a change. One of the things that we required in this policy of racism as a public health threat is that we needed to shift our thinking from race as a biological risk factor to a deeper understanding of racism as a determinant of health. Race is a social construct, and as such, it has impact on communities of color like other social determinants of health. For example, safety in our streets where people of color can't just take a job down the street, don't have access to good education and jobs with affordable health insurance, and they also don't have access to healthy foods in the neighborhood. These are all issues that are social determinants of health, and unfortunately, racism and the inability to be able to uh, close that economic gap that causes people to be unhealthy in general. Something you said that, that struck me is how the, the pandemic has really ripped the Band-Aid off of, of this issue. It's, it's really shed a very bright light on it. Is it surprising that it's taken a, a pandemic, this kind of public health crisis, to turn people's attention to the issue in, in the ways that it has? It's not surprising, but it is so enheartening the fact that we now have more folks, not just the folks of color, that are recognizing what racism has done and the health disparities that we have as a result of racism and the social determinants of health that are impacted by racism. And so it's good to have more people listening and understanding what impact and the public health threat that racism has had on people of color and marginalized communities in general. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the, the practical impacts that a declaration like this, uh, the AMA hopes uh, will will have. I, I mean, it's, it's one thing to put out a press release and say, you know, we declare this or that. Uh, but there are going to be, you hope, practical effects that come from this. So walk me through what some of those are. Well, before we can address an issue, we must understand it first. And we say that social epidemiology can help contribute valuable insights to health policy. But there's often a lack of research funding, and that's why our policy also encourages expanded funding support. It's important that we study what's clinically relevant and not what is socially constructed. With respect to technology, 
We know that technology in science is very important. But the end goal for like digital tools that we use in medicine is to level the playing field for patients and enhance their ability of physicians to deliver safe and effective care and reduce disparities in health outcomes. We want to make sure that that future technological development support this goal. So we're also clearly encouraging that we have unconscious bias training being done by everyone. So by studying the issues and learning from it, we can better assure that future technology is not built with the current social and unconscious bias, but is confidently science-based. So by declaring racism a public health threat at our AMA, we feel that we're moving closer to reaching health equity, which we define as optimal health for all, while creating a path towards truth, healing, and reconciliation. I'm wondering, too, for the listener who, who hears this conversation and thinks, you know, these are big kind of system level changes that this organization is hoping for. I'm not quite sure what it will mean for me if I go to the doctor or go into a clinic. What do you hope this policy change, this, this acknowledgement kind of means for the person? How could you see this trickling down? On a personal level, I definitely think that we all need to be aware of our unconscious bias and be more willing to perhaps look at that and maybe get some training on it. But one other way that we can also put in action our knowledge of the health disparities. One example that I can give you, because the AMA is a federated organization. That means that we're made up of a large set of different medical societies across the states, as well as all the specialty societies. And we would want them to all work on the issue within their own communities among physicians in particular. But when it comes down to like addressing the social, the structural racism that's in the community, an example would be Chicago in Chicago where we have our headquarters. The project that we're working on is called Westside United. Our AMA has invested along with other groups $2 million in this community development effort. And the purpose of this particular project is to narrow the 17-year life expectancy gap between low-income citizens and their more affluent downtown neighbors. I mean, they're just separated by a street, but we're talking about um, big lifetime expectancy gap. And the program will do this by improving access to affordable housing, improving access to healthy foods, and financing the neighborhood business projects as well as supporting more job creation and educational programs. Those are things that can actually be activities that will help to narrow that health gap and not take them out of the neighborhood, but try to better develop that particular neighborhood and give people more opportunities going forward to be able to address the issue of optimal health for all. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead, talking today with Dr. Willarda Edwards from the American Medical Association about the group's recent decision to declare racism a threat to public health. It seems striking to me that this is a declaration coming from the American Medical Association. It has not had the best record with this issue in the past. This is, you know, an organization that for decades and decades 
actively reinforced, and this is language from the website, or passively accepted racial inequalities and the exclusion of African-American physicians. Reflect on that for me, the, the fact that this professional organization that, that you were with has, has come so far on this issue to have at one point not acknowledged black doctors and now acknowledging racism as a public health threat. Many of us often say this is not the AMA of old. We know that there were years when we could not be, and I am a physician of color in Baltimore, where we could not be members of the AMA. But we do recognize that years ago, the, the AMA did declare that all of our medical societies, our local medical societies, should allow physicians of color and women to be a part of the AMA. And it has been an evolving change for our AMA that we can all be very proud of. We are so proud of the work that's going forward and what we are and how we are moving forward. The House of Delegates in 2018 created the Center for Health Equity. It was the Center for Health Equity that required that the HHS give us statistics on the uh, demographics of the patients that were impacted by uh, adversely impacted by COVID and disparately affected by COVID. And they have moved forward with programs with our blood pressure programs, our diabetes programs, and working with other organizations. Our AMA is truly a great convener of different stakeholders. And one of the things that we have done is in addressing the health equity issue is truly convening people who are already in this space but helping us all to work together to address all the issues that are impacting our communities and therefore their health. Was there kind of broad agreement that this was an important step for the AMA to take? What kind of conversations happened behind the scenes with your members about this? Behind the scenes, what we saw was what I've mentioned before, and that is the fact that we need to do more education, that more people need to have a better understanding of the impact that racism has had on the public health. And that when it comes down to talking about educating our medical students, we've got to also educate, as I said, our practicing physicians, those that are still in practice, as well as those that are coming out of medical school. And then we need to also address the research. We need to finance more research into this so that people have a better understanding as to the impact that racism has truly had and unconscious bias has truly had on public health. And so it was a unanimous decision. There was no opposition to passing this. Once we were all able to get to um, talk about it and to have a better understanding of where this policy would be taking us and how it was going to better the way that we practice medicine for all communities and create true health equity for everyone. Is there value here, and not just the programs, the money, the focus that you hope come from this declaration, but also just kind of the signal that this sends to communities of color about where the, one of the nation's preeminent doctors groups is on this, that you were at least... I don't want to use the word woke because I feel like that has kind of become pejorative, but just that y'all are aware enough and have leadership that, that embraces this idea. 
One of the things that we said we wanted to have happen, and I'm talking about our task force, as we concluded and said we need to have a Central on Health Equity and the AMA, then the House of Delegates said, yes, we will do this. And that's what our management at the AMA has moved forward with, is that we realized, as I said before, that we're not new to this space, but there are a whole lot of other folks that are out here as well that have been focusing on this. So we're not trying to take over. We are definitely saying, let us all work together on this. It's just been a wonderful opportunity for us to really put some teeth into what we have already been looking at for years and saying, now let's make change. Let's actually do some real activity in addressing this issue of health equity and trying to make sure that we get to the truth, the healing, and the reconciliation. Those are very big long-term goals, but we are still in the middle of this very immediate, very uh, acute public health crisis, the, the pandemic. We've had some exciting news as of late with some vaccines. It looks like there's some agreement that these vaccines might be available to first rounds of people before the end of the year. Um, so we are entering, I think, another phase of this pandemic. So talk to me about what you th hope the effect of this declaration will have as, as this pandemic uh, continues. I feel that it will be more of an opportunity for us to reach out to the general public and let them know that we hear you. We know those statistics about the COVID deaths, 25% in the African-American community, new cases in the Latinx community of 33%. And we are not going to ignore that. When we talk about who needs to have this treatment first and primary and have more help with respect to the healthcare coverage, job loss, the education, all of the things that have been impacting marginalized communities in general, we hear you. And this is what we're saying is that you are not alone and we will not let this go unaddressed. We will work on this with you together. We hear conversations about preparing for the next pandemic. Public health experts agree that it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And it's always struck me that those conversations are not just, shouldn't just be about, can we get a vaccine quickly and effectively rolled out? Or do we have enough hospital space? But it's really the hard work, the harder work is probably going to be working at a population level to address issues like hypertension and diabetes, these kinds of comorbidities, these underlying conditions that in the midst of a pandemic can really expose people to more risk. Um, how do you think about that? Because I just, I just think about what really the pandemic has laid bare is, well, I guess it's really that certain people are more vulnerable to any infectious disease if they have these underlying health conditions. That, that seems like the real core problem here. And part of that is about building that trust in those communities and making sure that they know that we know what the issues are and that we know that there's been a failure in that area and that we need to build trust. And so we need to have everyone working together in the same direction. We said that the vaccines, not only we're talking about COVID vaccine, but there's a lot of immunizations that patients, as a result of them not going to their doctors of late, now have gotten behind. There are other issues, like you said, of hypertension and diabetes that still need to be addressed. We cannot afford to ignore that. We have to make sure that 
patients know that we know you've been putting this off, but we need you to start coming back to your doctor and or seeking that care in the clinic that you have been avoiding because you wanted to avoid the COVID and, or that you didn't have the coverage for that. And that we need to let make sure they know that there is coverage for for COVID that is not going to cost them money, that this is going to be something that we're going to focus on in terms of a public health issue that is important to them. And so it's about building that trust. And part of that is, first of all, acknowledging the poor healthcare system that we have and therefore making sure that people know that we're going to work to try and help our government, our local and state to do better with respect to providing more quality care and equitable health care for everyone. Dr. Willarda Edwards is on the board of trustees of the American Medical Association. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.